Welcome back, everybody, to another Corner Conversations Behind the Message podcast. We are jumping into three weeks of flip-flop. It's a little different because we're still meeting together. Uh, Greg, Scott, and I, we're still doing our messages together, but uh, really wanted to kind of dive in as we've seen so much turmoil in the last 12 days in our city and in our nation. Really wanted to unpack it. So uh, Scott's message today is talking about what it looks like when God calls you into the impossible. And it's, uh, it's a good conversation. So jump in. Thanks for being here. Here we are. Another week. We're back again. Is it, have you guys, is it, be, have days of the week become more meaningless? Because <laughs> I think in the last two weeks, it, like, 12 days ago, days were meaningless, but now they're meaninglesser. Yeah. Yeah. Next Wednesday. Is what? I can go to the gym again next Wednesday. Really? Is yeah. that part of the thing? Uh-huh. I could go to the gym next Wednesday. Is it, Have no, the skate parks been open? That's not going to happen. Yeah, skate parks. I mean... Already? Skate, skateboarders don't follow laws. Skateboarders are in Tifa. I don't know what that means. I skateboard, so I'm actually... I'm part of a... a not a good group. He's a terrorist now. Yeah, because I skateboard. That's what Antifa is. Mm-hmm. I don't know what you guys are saying. <laughs> you just gotta Google. Neither does the person talking about Antifa. Has <laughs> 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 the skate park been open? Yeah. But you can't really... The outside skate park. You can't really oh. close. Familia's been closed. Oh, I yeah. thought it was an Familia's inside closed. Um, the, in, the indoor skate parks are closed. Oh, okay. Golden Valley. The big one in Golden Valley is closed. But no, I skated outside a bunch. Hmm. Fun. Yep. I, uh... I'm not gonna skateboard. I think I think I'm crossing that off my life list. Really? Yeah. There's what? always a chance. You just maybe a longboard. Not gonna eat potatoes. Not gonna skateboard. I like potatoes. Or French fries. Yeah. No French fries. <clears throat> I'm done with French fries. Yeah. Forever now. You're making that declaration. Oh, I don't know if I can. We're recording. I, I might do that. I guess I could. It could happen. Yeah. Oh, it's been. 21 years. It's The problem is is that potatoes suck. The only redeemable potato is a french fry. I like sweet potatoes a lot. Yeah, that's not... But that's not really a potato. That's not true. Oh, I love sweet potatoes. That's disgusting. Really? I hate sweet potatoes. I like a sweet potato fry, like a hash brown with sweet potatoes. Mm. No. Just give me sweet potato chunks mm. with like no. a sriracha mayo. Uh, no. Oh, man. Never. I thought you liked good food. I do, therefore, I don't like sweet potatoes. Greg, you ate at a restaurant. What was that like? How was that? Well, I ate outside at a restaurant, but Zach ate inside Inside a restaurant. restaurant, yeah. At a Mexican place. He got chips and salsa. What? It was so nice. <laughs> really? They refilled it even for Can you us. imagine? Do you need more chips? Yes, please. Do you need more As chips? As I'm crying, <laughs> thank you for the chips. That's the most beautiful question I've ever been asked. Yeah, it was nice. It was really nice. Zach drove across the border. Yeah. If you're in Minneapolis, do it. Go to Wisconsin. I don't think we should encourage people to do that. (laughs) Their restaurants are open. 
That's not an encouragement. I'm just stating a fact. <laughs> yeah. I do. It is weird. Yeah. It is weird. If Our restaurants will be open on Wednesday. Yeah. We're going to... Only a few well, days. We think so. We think so. I mean, if they weren't burned. If they weren't burned. <laughs> if the governor doesn't push this back. He won't push it back. He'll let it start to happen. Yeah. yeah. So we got that all going We haven't on. seen an uptick since he changed other stuff, so... Ten days. <laughs> we'll know in another ten days. Yeah. It seems like it seems like yesterday was a day that we heard about George Floyd. And that was eleven days ago now? Yeah. Twelve days? And yesterday was George's memorial service. Is that first I mean, of three. Yeah, if you're listening now, I mean this is a kind of a strange, crazy time in history. Seems like there's a lot For going so on in, in our city, in our nation. I do think that, I, I talked to a couple of people about this today, is that I hope we're poised for some really great change, and then uh, there are moments when all of a sudden, like whatever happened in Buffalo, New York, I, which you guys were just telling me about. Yay. But I really feel like, uh, I feel like we have, a, we have high capacity and high potential for some great cultural change. Yeah. And uh, what, the terrible that's happened... Uh, to George and his family and the morning and all those things. Um, it Cultural change doesn't redeem the loss, but uh, it's important. And yeah. that, that's a... Because that's a, something I really struggled with is like, you know, when somebody says, uh, like a third person, like somebody completely outside of relationship with a family member says, hey, at least he died for a reason. That's the most insensitive thing ever. Yeah. So yeah. insensitive. Yeah, but, and so, to the atrocity has happened, and uh, that's unfortunately is permanent. In fact, I, I've said this often, and thought it all uh, really often, tying to when my mom died. It's like the problem, and actually, I'm not the person who said it that I heard say it first. Dick Rubenstein said it tie, when his mom passed away. Is that the problem with death is that it's so stinking permanent? And I'm like, oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh. It's just, that's a weird, weird concept. <clears throat> and that's not apart from faith and heaven and all those, these things, which are great. But uh, here, it's, it's uh, you know, if you, if you break something, if you lose something, if you, whatever, other than time, you can get everything back. And uh, Not, not my legs. But, have you not seen the end of Forrest Gump? Well, I mean, <laughs> I mean, if I literally lost an entire leg, like not if it was just broken, but like if a shark bit my leg off, yeah, that leg's gone. Lieutenant Dan, you got your <laughs> legs back. <laughs> well, not the same legs. You got to get different legs. <laughs> that evolved real quickly in my brain. Wow. Oh. Uh, uh. Really high level stuff going on. <laughs> Two things you can never get back: time and likes. <laughs> yep. I think a, a thing that is is worth. <laughs> can't even. I can't even move on. Quote me. Uh, Quote she me. tastes like cigarettes. <laughs> <laughs> Scott's over here doing really bad impressions of Forrest Gump. If you didn't know. When, when, when has Scott done? Jenny. A, a good impression. <laughs> I'm trying to think of a time that Scott did a really like spot-on impression. You know what I value uh, right trip? now? 
I value. Shrimp. A week ago, I wasn't sure that we would laugh together. <laughs> yeah. uh, oh. This feels. This is good for my soul. Yeah. Uh. <laughs> it's two things you can't get back in life. Jenny. Time and legs. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> legs. That's my next sermon series. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's a good one for Shark Week. Shark Week. <laughs> <laughs> With everything going on, I completely forgot about the terror and joy of Shark Week. It's, it's got to be coming up soon. Uh, I don't know what it is. <laughs> Some of those things have lost their redeeming value because of the damage we've incurred just personally, like as people. I'm just like, yeah. I don't know if I can watch Sharknado anymore. <laughs> I never watched Sharknado. Or Sharknado 2. Or 6. Return of the Sharknado. Yeah. It, perspective is is powerful. And to think about how... Uh, we, we verbalized this. We talked about it last week. Is that... Um, it felt really, really heavy to think about all the coronavirus stuff. and uh, There was... I think we... From uh, we were, I'm gonna say us all, but like the intense decision fatigue was real. It's like we we have to make decisions every day that are gonna be that we're doing our best at making, and some people are gonna like them, and some people are gonna hate them, and we gotta do it again tomorrow. We gotta do it. So like that was tired. That was tough. Yeah. And then, and then the week of George being murdered and and then all the stuff that came out of that all of a sudden decisions about coronavirus felt pretty insignificant pretty easy (laughs) yeah 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 pretty easy and uh and i've just even like it's weird but it's like hard to even it's scary to even say it just like okay can't get any harder right don't say it i know i just said it and uh but uh Hard is is not uh, just quantified to external circumstances or situations. Hard can be uh, definitely internal. It can be a moment of... There there are people facing that degree of hard without it being on the news uh, constantly. And, uh, you know, when when a family's breaking apart, the trauma of that is maybe more real than or as real the impasse or when uh, when there is a loss there's a death when there is all those things um, the thing that was maybe unique in the last 10 days was that it was so universally experienced and not just in Minneapolis and not just in St. Paul but across the country and that across the world yeah yeah big protests all around the world it's, it's crazy how big it it really grew and uh the thing I keep taking is that uh, I, what I keep seeing from a lot of people in the black community is just the reminder that for any of us who are kind of experiencing this for the first time, that this is just kind of another another moment where another black person has been killed by police. And like, wow, this is the first time I've experienced the, the reality, the pain, to, to watch the pain of it play out and to know that you know, just the week prior, Breonna Taylor was killed by police. And then days before that was when Ahmaud Arbery was killed by some men. 
mm-hmm. and that you, you go through the last five years, six years, eight, eight years back to, I think, when Black Lives Matter really started, that that has happened consistently. And just, like, the carried trauma of that, like, I don't have that. Yeah. And... And so, for so. that to, hopefully, man, my hope, and it's really the conversation that I'm going to be having this, this weekend in, in churches, that there's hope that the impossible can take place. And uh, the impossible is cultural change. <clears throat> I'm going to show, uh, I'm going to show a, a video, an interview. I uh, had a great, actually pretty long conversation with Jazz Hampton, part of our church community. And uh, his insight and his perspective um, as, a, as a black man that uh, grew up in Minneapolis, in the metro, went to school in the metro, went to college in the metro, went to law school in the metro, now lives in, like, his only known Minnesota. And in Minnesota, sometimes people, I think even people in our, maybe not in our country so much now, but sometimes there's times where people go, Minnesota? What state is that in? (laughs) (laughs) Not this week. (laughs) (laughs) You get, quickly get put on the map, but um, good old Minnesota, um, and Minnesota nice, and good old Midwestern values, and, you know, the perspective of, like, you know, we, you know, where were we? Where were we in the Civil War? It's different. We're up here in the North. We're all the good people, the good moral, well-adjusted, you know. And and so to have that break here mm-hmm. is, uh, um, it, and that that's part of the thing is that it, it's been broken here forever. And uh, and so I've been. We're going to be doing uh, these flip flops over the next three weeks. Um, part of our conversation going into this week is that. Uh, I don't know if you can believe it or not, <clears throat> but I think we're pretty t- tired, spent, <laughs> and so we're we're taking three weeks. It's the when you wake up tired every day for a week. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because and then that's when you start realizing, oh, it's not just like I'm not sleep tired. Yeah, I'm the other kind. Yeah. Yeah, I wake up so stinking early and still <laughs> tired. Waking up exhausted. Yeah, but. So we're taking an opportunity to just have, uh, hopefully, leads to some other capacities, but also a little bit of a break for us, just an intellectual, spiritual break <clears throat> as we each take a week in speaking. And, and the thing that fell in our, so we're doing this series is Into the Unknown, and, and for me is when we're asked to do something impossible. And obviously the impossible that's in front of us today is this impossibility of changing culture and uh, this this has been there, there's some parallel between gun violence and mass shootings in schools and and this and that there there's the the thing that I want to bring out in parallels of this is that there's a moment where there can be like high passion to see something radically changed and then it doesn't really change really quickly and then nothing changes mm-hmm. and uh, that can happen here it can happen with this and and I don't know, I, I had unwrapped, looked at a, a ton of different scripture things and, and stuff, but we're going to watch this interview with Jazz, and then we're going to ask the question, uh, what do you need to hear in order to be an active part to change? Hmm. And 
I don't know, started, I, I've done a bunch of writing how, like, how I'd answer that, mm. and uh, it's actually pretty gross because I feel like, I don't know, what do I need to hear to be an active part of change? Because haven't I heard it? Haven't we all heard it? Yeah, I think that's the question that, just looking at what I'm planning on talking about in two, three weeks, what Zach's talking about next week, is, is it's kind of boiled down to how we've each answered that question. Mm. And so, what do you need to hear? Which then nudged me back to, well, what do we, what do we hear from Jesus? And it's it's so bizarre for me. Usually, I um, my process in wrapping my head around scriptural concept is to just take gigantic amounts, and and I usually try to whittle down. I don't necessarily hmm. do that very well, but because I just like it, man, I like it. But I had this moment where I just, I only grabbed Matthew 4, 18, 19, and 20, and I thought, well, here Jesus is calling his disciples. He's, he, he comes, bursts onto the scene. He's baptized by John. He's fast and is tempted in the wilderness, and then he calls his first disciples, uh, Simon and Andrew, Peter and Andrew. He calls them, and uh, he just really uses three words that just have, I don't know, yesterday I was downstairs below Corner Coffee North Loop in the, our wrecked... Our dungeon. Dungeon. <laughs> We've got a lot of projects and... Anyway, I'm sitting down there and it just, this just really wrecked me, is that Jesus looks at these guys and he goes, you, Simon and Andrew. So he had this moment where he calls them out and he said, it's, it's you, not... not just theoret- like people people why don't you come and follow Jesus like that I feel like that sometimes is a lot of how I see following Jesus is like Jesus giving this call to all humanity which is beautiful and true but what about when Jesus goes uh, Zach come on and then then to wrestle with the word not just that he called them but then he goes all right now I'm gonna equip. I'm gonna ready you to go be fishers of men. So this, which is to do an impossibility. I actually worked through a bunch of even misunderstanding and wrapping my head around that. Is that <clears throat> it's complex because even in Matthew chapter ten, Jesus sends out the disciples for the first time. So not that long. It's like there's this calling. There's a sermon on the mount, and there's the sending of the disciples immediately. And when he sends them out, he says, I'll give you authority to drive out demons and ability to cure their diseases. But then it, that wasn't passive giving. It wasn't like, you're going to just walk around. But rather, he, he's also saying, oh yeah, and by the way, they're going to kill you. <laughs> don't, you don't, bring, don't bring anything with you. you you're going to be completely undersupplied. you got to go. So there's the equipping, but then you're part of the process. And then the last one that just wrecked me in this is that Jesus then says, doesn't say, all right, Andrew, come on, I'm going to equip you. Let me know how it goes. But then he, he brings it back to follow me. And it's just this, like it was the Greg Barber one step or whatever. Stupid. <laughs> <laughs> but he, he, he doesn't do this calling and equipping and then separation. He just goes, all right, I'm with you. I'm totally with you. Follow me. Mm-hmm. And then there's now then, the remainder of the gospel narrative that we see in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John is from this 
this moment of acknowledging the person, the process of equipment, equipping, but also that you are an essential part. And then it's this relationship over time. It seems like the biblical story is equipped is you are fully equipped with the presence of God. Like you think of the Israelites in the or in the wilderness, yeah. God's presence with them. They were equipped. They got everything they need. You could think of the disciples. You could think of uh, Pentecost. Like it's this moment of full, like, what do I have to do? How? What do I have to become to do what God's called me to do? Oh, all I, I just need God's presence. Like mm. that's that yeah. is the, the like the simple answer of it. Yeah, it'd be easy if God somewhere in scripture laid everything out for someone and you watch them follow this path because that that's what feels easy to me if god would just give me everything that's next right now Mm. but his character shows since i mean all the way back to abraham and even i mean we could we could talk about adam and eve when they leave the garden I mean, what's next? When when you've yeah. when you've had communion with God and you get kicked out of the garden where that communion was, what's next? And yet God leads. And Abraham, you know, God calls him into this new country and he says, I'm not going to show you where you're going to go, just follow me. Yeah. It's like modern Christianity, we've created this like, okay, here's the things you have to do to be Christ-like. Follow these things, follow these things. But the biblical story is, you want to know what it is to be Christ-like? Have relationship with Christ. Yeah. Like, let that relationship rub off on you. Well, the the thing that's powerful about it, so when you're asked to do something impossible, and Jesus goes, Zach, I'm going to give you the ability to do it. Come on, let's do it. We're doing it together. That That isn't a formula for, like, seamless, failingless perfection. I think you're lucky if he says, I'll give you the ability to do it. I think it's more often just well, like, why don't you go do it? <laughs> yeah, well, that's but that's part of the thing is that we I really quickly do the being equipped and sent out is meaning that, well, if I'm equipped and sent out, that means I'm not going to struggle with that. And that's, that's not the narrative. The narrative is that um, there's only struggle and fail. Yeah. And, uh, but we, if we're facing the impossible, which... All of us face different impossibles all the time. The thing that it's easy to do is to go, you know, wave the flag and say, well, I can't, it's impossible. Hmm. I'm out. It's also easy to go, God, if this is like so evangelical, God, if I believe you can do it and then walk away, you know, just to, I prayed it, God, I believe it. I have faith that this mountain will be thrown into the sea. And uh, again, uh, the calling of Jesus' disciples, even though he knew they failed and were failing and would fail forever and would eventually die for their faith. And um, Jesus, he called them and invited them into the process of doing the impossible. That's good. So if we're going to accomplish the impossible, no, if the impossible is going to happen, if the impossible is what we're supposed to do. Yeah, if that's the case, uh, and it is God's will, we are part of that equation. Hmm. Yeah, why do I expect that God's not going to call me into impossible? I mean, I guess I have started to, I have started to expect it. Yes. <laughs> uh, 
but it's really easy to just see that God, what do you like? What's next for me? Like, what do you have for me next? And I get, I can get so self-focused on what I, what I feel like I might want. Hmm. And yeah, but it's, it's so easy to just, God, what you're going to call me to is, it's going to be exactly what I need and it's going to be exactly what I expect and what I love to do. It's going to be exactly the thing that I've been like thinking about for forever the next thing you call me to do and then he says actually go do this thing that has nothing to do with anything you just talked to me about <laughs> what yeah and yeah there's something in the human condition that we want to see we we have our eyes fixed on what we think the final result is and when we are not there as quick as we want or ever, we immediately go to failure. Mm-hmm. But I think more often, God's steps, they don't look in alignment until you can look back, until you've walked the path. And that's like the encouragement is that in the midst of when things are hard and crazy and you don't know if you're headed the right direction, if you have faith in God, I believe when you do get down the road, you can turn around and be like, oh, God was clearly marking my steps and yeah. giving me direction. Yeah, so it circles back to that first question I'm going to ask is, what do you need to hear in order to do the impossible, to be a part of engaging with the doing the impossible? Oh, such an easy question. Yeah, well, I think it's really easy to go, you know what I need to hear is that God is going to work it all out and it's going to be okay. Mm. And I feel like God would go, Oh, I don't think I, I've never said I didn't. I've never said that. That's not me. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Well, some things to think about. Uh, again, we are uh, moving towards a mixture of some online and some in person. More online, more on, more in person coming up in this week and the weeks to come. If you are here in the Twin Cities and have uh, love, love for you to join us. And if you're part of our community, there's, again, you navigate that process of whether you're going to do that in person or if you're going to do that online. I encourage you to let it be, though, conversation, not just something you just do in in isolation inside of yourself. (laughs) If you want to do it with a group of people in a restaurant, go to Hudson. Do Uh, it. 35-minute drive. Wow. Best burrito I've had in months because (laughs) I haven't been able to have any other burritos. (laughs) But... Thanks for being part of our conversation. and uh, I, I look forward to being a part of the impossible. And it's a great mess. See you later, guys.